What's up? What's up, my beautiful Hey Queen Thrive family? Hope all is well. Listen, we are making our way through the season, season two, man. We already in the month of September. It is absolutely, absolutely crazy that we are only a few more episodes away until season two is over. Listen, I know y'all like, why, Leah? Why do you have to go? But look, I, girl, listen, your girl is booked and busy, man. She's very booked and busy. Plus, I am divorcing the hustle all season long. Listen, y'all know I've been telling y'all since 2022 got in here that I am divorcing the hustle. And so, yeah, I'm taking some time to rest. I'm taking some time to relax, taking some time to pour into myself. I mean, I definitely have been doing that throughout the whole year, but that's one of the reasons why I cut my show um, short. So listen, (laughs) and then on top of that, that is the beauty of being a creative, right? When you are the creator of your own show, your own brand, like you call the shots, right? So while you guys probably would have loved for me to go all the way to December, I'm not, (laughs) I'm just not going to do it. And that's okay. Is that absolutely, absolutely okay. You know what I mean? Like I definitely, just need that time. So, and that gives me time to work on season three, right? Because we'll be right back in 2023 with another season. So yeah. So we only a few more episodes away, only a few more episodes away. And then season two will be a wrap. So (laughs) listen, I'm excited about this conversation on this episode because, um, this gentleman, uh, I'm, I connected with him, I want to say 2020, right? I connected with him back maybe 2020, 2021. And he does an amazing, amazing work out in um, the Connecticut area. He does amazing work with young people, with the youth out there. And so I wanted to have this conversation to kind of kick off the month of September because what is normally happening in September, children are heading back to school, right? And so I wanted to have this amazing conversation um, about his journey to entrepreneurship and his organization called Youth on Fire, right? And and why he started that and the inspiration behind why he started that uh, organization. And then, you know, how we as a, as a community um, can support our youth, you know, because honestly, y'all, I really feel like we have gotten so far away from, um, it takes a village to raise a child. Like y'all remember growing up in that. And so we have gotten so far away from the village, man. We need, we need, we need, we need our village. And I just feel like we've gotten so, so, so far away from that. And so, yeah, um, tune in, man. Tune in, hear this conversation, grab that pen and paper, grab your favorite drink, pull up. You already know. Um, we're just going to have an amazing conversation. And then, of course, you already know I'm coming back with Thriver Nuggets. What's up, my beautiful Hey Queen Thrive family? Listen, I'm so excited about this guest I have. Look, y'all know I told y'all in season two of the show, we are incorporating the male voice. And so this particular individual, we connected on social media about a year ago, and he just does amazing work with the youth in the state of Connecticut. So I have the one, the only Stefan Palmer here at Hey Queen Thrive. What's going on with you, sir? Not much. Just sitting here. Long day. Getting <laughs> well, ready to do a few things with my son. I Getting love ready it. to enjoy this podcast. What's going on? I love it. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. 
What would you like to know? Hardworking single father, very dedicated to the work that I do within the community mm-hmm. with youth, single fathers and families. Um, strive to achieve greatness in everything I do. I love it. I love it. Listen, there's not too many hardworking single Black fathers getting recognition these days. Like, we always hear the other side of the story or the other narrative that Black men are not doing the work to take care of their children. So I love to see Black men stepping up and doing their damn thing as being a father. So I have to commend you on that, sir. So I have a question I ask all my guests, and that is, in your opinion, What does it mean to be a queen that thrives? Queen that thrives is someone that pours, first of all, a queen that thrives is someone that has already picked themselves up, Mm -hmm. reached a goal in their life where they can begin to pour into other females so that they can pick up their crowns. Um, Me working with youth, I get to work with female youth who don't have the mindset of a queen, but more or less of, they can't do this. They can't do that. They don't empower themselves. They yeah. don't see value within themselves. So to see another female queen mentor or guide one of these young females, mm-hmm. that young female, grades change, behavior change, clothing change, the attitude amongst themselves change. It just shows the power of one female queen helping another female queen. And I think that's when queens can excel the most. I love it. I love it. Listen, I think that's so true. Like, I think it's something about watching another queen thrive that motivates somebody else, right? Like, I think it's something about, like you said, you already have established that you're a queen and now you're helping empower somebody else or you're helping that other person, you know, put their crown back on because it might have fell off or it might have been crooked. And now she likes this. Let me help you straighten it out. So, I absolutely love that. And so season two, God told me we focusing on purpose this season. So I want to hear a little bit about your journey on how you discovered that you wanted to be working with the youth. Talk to us about that. Well, I've always been around kids, babysitting, teaching, just being bad when I was younger. Um, so... As I got older, I started to have my own children, uh, begin to pour into them. And it seemed as my children got older, their friends just were drawn to me, Mm. um, telling me things they were going through, looking for help, guidance. And the next thing you know, I was like the neighborhood dad and really didn't understand why. Um, Got into gospel hip hop, got into going to church strongly, did that for a while. Um, My first marriage, uh, kind of got taken for everything to where me and my daughters ended up homeless. Mm. But while I was doing the homeless thing, I was still doing free concerts in Harvard, Connecticut for the youth. Um, I know a plethora of artists, DJs, record label execs. So at the time, caught a couple of the artists I know and was like, look, I want to I wanna give back to some of these kids. They really don't have an outlet let's brainstorm on how we can put some concerts together and just find a way to uplift them. Um, By the third concert, we noticed that most of the kids in the neighborhood was pulling us aside 
telling us issues they had at school, at home. Mm. Uh, we had young men that wanted to leave the block, young women that wanted to leave the block but didn't want repercussions from their OGs. And uh, Miss Matthews from Urban League here in Hartford had heard about the concerts. She came to one of the concerts, she watched, just sat in the back and watched everything. As we were getting ready to close up and clean up, uh, she pulled me aside and she goes, what are you doing once these kids tell you guys what, are, what they're going through? Mm, yeah. I said, honestly, we don't know what to do. She goes, um, I'm going to come to the next event we need to talk. So, you know, me and the other artists, we were like, okay. Went home, thought nothing of it. Um, planned the next event. She came, I think she came like an hour early. We thought she came to set up. Um, she was like, no, no, I talked to my boss. Um, we want to pay for you guys to become state mentors. And me, of course, with the background I come from, I was like, what do y'all want in return? Right. Nothing's free. Right. Um, she was like, no, you guys become mandate reporters. You learn how to do intakes and you learn how to effectively deal with what these kids are telling you. Mm. Um, so, you know, at first, really didn't know what to do with that information, walked on eggshells with it. And then I finally did the mentor training, became a mandate reporter with DCF. Um, that's when everything became full circle. Um, the concerts were taking place, doing events in the neighborhood, like an Easter egg hunt, uh, community water games, Mother's Day balls, Father's Day events. And the community was opening up to me. And one day a mother pulled me aside. She goes, what is the name of your organization? <laughs> I said, Stefan Palmer. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, no, no, no. That's your name. Yeah. What's the name of your organization? Stefan Palmer. I'm not an organization. We're just doing this to do this. Yeah. So, you know, I sat down that night and I was like, yo, that's weird. Why'd she say that? And, you know, I called around to some of my mentors and they were like, you're already doing the work. Yeah. Um, if you want, we'll sit down with you, help you do all the paperwork and get your get your organization together. So it started off just a event-based mentoring program for the youth, ages 9 to 18, young men and women. And then it slowly added the fatherhood program to it. Once we added the, father pro the fatherhood program to it, we started working with dads raising children, dad, first-time dads, um, dads coming home from incarceration. Wow. And Stephen Hernandez from the Commission of Women and Children in Connecticut caught wind of the work we were doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he invited me to his office, something I never thought would happen coming from where I come from. Yeah. And, he was like, uh, what do you think about being a parent leader for the state of Connecticut? Man, listen, I don't want my name on no government documents. <laughs> you trying to set me up. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Started laughing. He goes, no, 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 I checked you out. I, I know about your history. And I said, yeah, bro, I'm good. <laughs> he goes, well, come check us out for a couple meetings. Um, get a feel of it. And uh, let me know what you think. So, you know, I went, 
you know, got my suits, got my edge up, went to the meetings, sat in the back of the Capitol building, listened to what they were talking about. As far as legislation and bills to bring stability to families and bills that would uplift both households for a child, meaning the non-custodial and the custodial parent at the same time. I love that. Uh, towards the end of the third meeting, Elaine Zimmerman asked me to speak. Um, she goes, you've been coming to these meetings and haven't said anything. So what's your take from the outside looking in on two gen? I said, well, a lot of what I hear is about single moms. It's not just moms raising children. Yeah. I mean, it's great. The programs you guys want to put in place for the state of Connecticut. But what about the fathers that are now raising children? What about the grandparents that are now raising children? Mm -hmm. I mean, instead of putting in these grants, single mothers raising children, you need to put caretakers raising children because that yeah. refers to mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and she goes, we've never thought about that. And uh, I forget the agency that was like, well, we work with dads. And I said, no, y'all don't. I said, you don't remember me? I came to your office like two weeks ago with my daughters. And uh, what did you tell me? your grants was written specifically for single mothers. So therefore, you could not help me get housing in Hartford. Mm. And you turned me and my daughters away. So if wow. I was a single mother, you would have got me an apartment two weeks ago. But right. um, the lady put her head down and Elaine goes, so you have the experience of a dad who's not only went through the system, but can speak at a legislative level on what needs to change and how it's affecting fathers and families. So yeah. It's like everything I went through from uh, being a first time dad, marriage, raising, this is my third child I raised on my own. Um, it's like, you know, God prepared me for the steps. Yeah. So I didn't realize the training he was putting me through then, but once I got into working with the state of Connecticut, and they started asking questions. The answers just came naturally. Right. I love that, though. I love that. Because, I see, I always tell people pain has purpose. And even when you don't realize it, like, God is so strategic in that way. Because he will slowly but surely be like, this is why you went through that. Because then I'm going to use you over here. And so I love that in the midst of your own battles, in the midst of your own struggles, you saw a need right in the Connecticut area and in the youth in the Connecticut area and you didn't just be like oh I see this need and I'm not doing nothing about it because so many people see the problems <laughs> they just don't ever do nothing about it. like they just talk but you decided to do something about it and and you created the organization Youth on Fire so like talk to us about this organization I know you've got the fatherhood programs like what else are you guys doing out there Working with the elderly in the community, we're, we're helping with the pandemic, passing out face masks and sanitizer. We're helping families find pampers and formula. Um, whatever we can do to help the families make it through the day. Um, yeah. We know a lot of senators are working on bills to get to get help to the community, but while the community are waiting for the process to finish. A lot of the communities are still hurting. They still need food. They still need rent assistance. They still need utility assistance. A lot of them need childcare. 
Um, a lot of them need tutoring for their children. Mm. So, you know, as a grassroots program, we're hands-on. We're right in the community. Whenever they need us, we're there. We're taking trash out for the elderly twice a week. Um, doing whatever we can to help our community get to the next level. I love that. I think that's so important that we get back to that whole village, right? Because I think we lost our way. It used to be like it takes a village to raise a child and, and the community came together and we band together. You know, I was thinking back the day of just like, I know when I was growing up, I couldn't get away with shit. Because like, if mm -hmm. my grandmother didn't know about it because she was at work, trust me, somebody, one of the neighbors or somebody was had that position of authority in the, in the village to be like, yo, you better get it together, you know, before I call your mom. So I love that, that you guys are kind of bringing that back and you're becoming that village. So I want to ask, cause you work with a lot of youth. How important is it that our youth be supported? How important is that? It's very, very, very important. Um, especially right now with the climate of crime in different states with yeah. the youth. I think the key picture a lot of states are missing is the trauma. A lot of youth with, with these states being shut down for a year. Yeah. A lot of families having to be at home with each other for a year. Um, there's a lot of death, or a lot of murders and violence yeah. in each state with the youth. And I believe it's because of they're not being heard. Mm. Um, a lot of these youth had issues online, through Zoom, through Instagram, Facebook group chats. Yeah. And when they finally got out the house and seen the person that was, you ain't nothing, and you, da, 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 you chant, you know, mm -hmm. cutting each other down online. Just to actually see that person now, as the kids say, it's on site now. <laughs> so something that could have been de-escalated through a conversation or like the way I like to do it, I like to sit down with a youth, teach them the format of how to write a song. But when they're writing the song, they have to write something they're currently going through. Mm. So the first verse, they'll tell you about a situation they got with somebody. Second verse, they'll tell you how they want to fight them, how they want to get them. Third verse, they'll brag about how they want to celebrate getting them. It's an icebreaker, but at yeah. the same time for them, they're learning a skill set. Um, and they're also communicating without even knowing. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you got beef with so-and-so. I know this is why you got beef with so-and-so, but how can you approach it in a different look to where you don't end up in prison? Yeah. Or with the females that, that want to learn how to write hip hop, you know, they write, they write a song first verse, they they tell you how how less they value they self. Second verse, they tell you how they're gonna sell they self and, mm. and other things to degrade themselves, to get money, to, to look like the hot girl. Third verse, they tell you how they celebrating and bragging on IG about everything they got from the negative ways of degrading yeah. themselves. Um, I just think the youth need the youth needs some people to believe in them. Yeah. To say it bluntly. We can't say the youth is our future and then say lock them all up. Mm. Yeah. I mean that that's that that's like that's hypocritical. Um 
to say these are our future leaders and then say, we need stricter laws. They're, they're, they're still in food from grocery stores. They're still in clothing. They're yeah. still in cars to get to work or to get to a friend's house. Yeah. Lock them all up. But if you take a step back, food is for basic needs. Clothes, is, clothes are for basic needs. So what's the basic need issue that they're not meeting that they're out there stealing these items? Yeah. Then you take a step back and say, okay, are we really providing transportation in our city for these young people to get back and forth from work, to get to A and B within the city? I mean, there's, there's multiple ways to approach things without adding more trauma right. to the lives of our youth. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Especially, and I think COVID has really shined a light on what's really happening with our children. Um, Cause I know of so many of my friends who are raising adolescents. It's a, it's tough right now. They they having conversations with their kids that they never thought they would be having, you know, and their anxiety is real. So I, I agree with you. So let me ask, what do you think are like three ways as a parent? What are some like three ways that a parent or a parent figure can like begin to connect with a youth on a deeper level? Well, first of all, first of all, parents need to stop this. I'm your friend. Mm, okay. That needs to go out the window. <laughs> you can't, one, you can't, you can't create your friend mm -hmm. in nine months. You can't right. give birth to a friend in nine months. Um, your job as a parent is to teach them, show them, and guide them how to be young adults. Yeah. Now, the way you do that is the important part. Um, like with my, my older ones, I give them, if they're mad, take the floor, speak your mind. Ain't gonna be too much swearing, but speak your mind. Yeah. Let it out. Um, tell me exactly how you feel. Just know, don't take it too far. <laughs> um, and my job is to listen. Yeah. Instead of cutting them off, snatching them up, saying you do that one more, say that one more time, you won't lose your teeth. Yeah. My yeah. job is to listen. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I understand you hurting. I can hear it when you talk. Mm -hmm. um, I also can tell you feel disrespected. Um, that's the first thing parents need to do is listen. Mm. Don't always just fly off the handle. Yes. Um, because if you don't listen, you're assuming and you're reacting off your assumptions. Um, two parents need to back their children no matter what. Yeah. No, no matter what. Yeah. School call you and say, oh, your child got into a fight. Your child did this. Your job is to protect that child. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get home, <laughs> that's a whole different story. Right. Okay, now what was your part? Because I know you. Right. You walked up and punched that boy. Or you grab that girl by the head when she wasn't looking. But yeah. you do that at home. Right. And in public and in other people's eyes, you got to let your child know you got to be back no matter what. Because if you lose that trust, yeah, you're going to lose that child. Yeah. Um, and three, always reassuring your children you love them. Yeah. Because I hear a lot of parents... <laughs> You stupid, you ignorant. Yeah. You, you F this up for me. And 
You see, now now so and so don't want to come around because you did this dumbness and yeah. <laughs> Yo, you're not gonna amount to nothing. You ain't even like your daddy, or you act just like your mama. Yeah. It's like words have power. Yes. Um, the more negative seeds you plant verbally into your children, mm. at some point they're gonna begin to take root and grow. Yeah. So that child that you was that you was saying, all you do is steal and da 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 might not have been stealing. But because they know that's what you're gonna say, that's what you're gonna accuse them of. I might as well still. You I'm, right. I haven't, but I might as well. I right. didn't I didn't steal your car, but I might as well. Um, yeah. I wasn't involved in the fight at school, but because I hang with them, you automatically cuss me out and I might as well do it. Um yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, especially the part about having a child's back. You know, when I was growing up, like my grandmother, she knew her grandkids. So if it sound like something we would do, all right, I'm going to take care of that in private. Mm-hmm. If it didn't sound like right. something, you know, we would do is like, nah, you're not going to come over here and accuse my grandchild of nothing because that don't even sound like Leah. You know, like that was legit how she would. And it does. It gives a child that feeling of like, yo, like I got somebody that got my back that they're not just going to leave me out there to dry. You know, I definitely think children definitely need to hear I love you more. They need to feel validated. And I love that you get you give them the floor. Because I teach, this is what I say to my parents now as a mental health professional, like give your child a voice. You know, I had a, a friend whose brother's son committed suicide because he didn't feel heard, you know? And that's what's happening. Like, and we about to get into that because it, suicide is now the second leading cause of death in children and adolescents. Like, that's crazy to me. And I know from hearing it and experiencing it as a mental health clinician, it's that feeling that nobody hears me, nobody sees me, nobody loves me. And so as somebody that is working with the youth, why do you think that suicide is impacting our children the way that it is today? Well, first we have to look at the PTSD our children are going through. I know here in Harvard, Children walk to school, they see people get shot, people get stabbed, they see their bodies, they see people overdose. Some of these kids, as young as five and six, are seeing this. Mm-hmm. They're growing up to it to where a gunshot don't even, it doesn't phase them no more. Yeah. Walking out the front door and seeing somebody overdosing doesn't scare them no more. Mm-hmm. Walking down the street and all the little kids is like, look, look, that's so-and-so that got into that fight yesterday. He's dead. Don't face them no more. Mm-hmm. Things that are not normal are normal now. Yeah. That's a red flag itself. Yeah. Um, and because it's normal, those things become a way of life. Mm-hmm. Well, it was cool when I was growing up to fight. It was cruel. It was cool when so-and-so got stabbed. And I remember when so-and-so got shot and it's, whew, it's a lot. Yeah, it's normal. <laughs> you know, especially if you grow up in rough areas, if you grow up in the hood, you know, that's that's what you see. So literally you become your environment. And so certain things just don't phase you. And then I don't think our youth today have too many outlets. 
So they're bottling okay. up these emotions. Well, that's the biggest thing I tell my parents. Okay, we live in Hartford. Go to New London and find a summer camp. Yeah. Put them in a summer camp with other, with people that don't look like them. Let them learn a different way of life. Mm-hmm. Because they're growing up thinking this is what it is, and it's not. Yeah. You can become a doctor. You can become a lawyer. You can own a house. You don't got to sell drugs to get a nice car. Yeah. I mean, but they don't learn these things growing up with that mind frame of this is all there is. Yeah. Yeah. I know kids now that have gone to camp, Caucasian camps now for like the last two to three years now, every summer. Change the way they dress. They wear their pants on their waist now. They use proper English now. They use certain yeah. ma'am now. Um, they went from I don't want to work to I can't wait to work. And yeah, it's a different way of being. I think children have to be definitely exposed to more than what they see on social media. You know, social media right now got kids thinking it becoming a social media influencer or Instagram model, like that's the, that's what it is. And they don't see those things. I think when we stop having like the YMCA's and the, the boys and girls clubs and the police athletic league and all of that in place where they would have people coming into these, if, these community centers that were doctors and lawyers and everything and showing children, like you can have, you can make a six figure life, you know, <laughs> and don't have to be yeah, out here yeah. hustling. How do I say this without saying it? You have to run the background checks on, on people that are in those facilities as well. Yeah, you um, I say that because there was a young man out here, played basketball, made it to um, made it overseas playing ball. He would come back in the summer, do a, a summer, a summer camp for the kids. You know, the city thought very highly of him. But at the same time, he was one of the main people bringing, bringing narcotics into the city. Wow. So it's like, you really, in today, today's day and age, you really have to, you really have to look into who you're going to have your children. Yeah. Uh, the greatest thing I was ever told, the greatest gem I was ever given was, never read a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Takes mm-hmm. your time. Look into that person, put some time with that person. Yeah. Because after a while, the characteristics will come out. So they'll slip up. They'll say certain things when their feather, feathers get a little ruffled. Yeah. Um, I think that was the greatest gym I was given. And it was given to me by Caucasian. Yeah. No, it's true. Because I think that we do see that because somebody's doing good work or they appear to be this one way, that like they're the greatest thing ever and then you start deep diving you know and you find out like they got a pass you know they might have been a registered sex offender they might have been molesting people like you don't know and so you do have to do your due diligence so so listen 2022 is here talk to us about some goals what we working on this year this year i'm looking at a women's program the youth on fire to work with the complete family because it doesn't make, well, it doesn't make sense to work with a child and send them home to the same chaos. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to work with the dad, the child, and then still send them home to a frustrated mom when you can be working with everybody, all the intangibles, 
working through different frustrations, uplifting everybody, getting people job training, getting people in post-secondary education to where the whole family gets uplifted step by step. Um, Youth on Fire has worked with the state of Connecticut for le on legislation for the last seven years. Wow. We're going to continue that this year. Uh, we're also going to be working with the Aspen Institute on um, legislation as far as parental rights are concerned, fatherhood, and post-secondary education. Um, and we'll be working with a company out of San Francisco, an agency out of San Francisco on uh, resources for single fathers. Um, so it's gonna be a busy year. Um, as far as locally, we're gonna be adding a music production program. We're gonna be adding a video production program, a program teaching children how to make clothes, market their clothes and branding. I love it. Um, teaching kids how to do podcasts, commercials, and or shoot videos for artists within the city or state. Um, and just working with the city, trying to get it back, get it hope. Listen, I think that is, all those initiatives are so great and well needed. Like, I, especially because I feel like you're teaching, you're giving these children tools and skills that can make them money, make them entrepreneurs, right? You're showing them like, maybe you don't, maybe college ain't for you, but you got these skill sets now that you can go and make some money. So Stefan, before I let you go, because this has been such a great conversation, please tell them how they can connect with you. Well, Youth on Fire, Youth on Fire Inc. at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, youth, youth slash fire slash ink slash we're on facebook youth on fire um we also have the website youth on fire inc.org um not too hard to find love it well thank you so much for letting me interview you this season on hey queen thrive anytime Listen, shout out to Stefan Palmer for coming through the Hey Queen Thrive and sharing all that he shared. Listen, y'all make sure y'all connect with him, connect with his organization. If you are out there in the Connecticut area, you need to know this man. If you don't know this man, you need to know him because he's doing phenomenal work um, with our young people. Because listen, <laughs> our young people need it, man, especially in the times that we're living right now. They need that community. They need that support. They need um, all that love and, and care. You know, they need to know that people really care about them, especially because, listen, young people, suicide is the second leading cause of death in our adolescents right now. Second leading cause of death. Do y'all hear that? Second. Second leading cause of death. You know, and it's no coincidence that I chose to air this episode in September because September is also Suicide Prevention Month. But this is why I wanted to have this conversation with this particular person um, because of the work he's doing. So shout out once again to you, Stefan. I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you're doing and how you are changing lives and changing the lives of our young people out there in those Connecticut streets. So listen, y'all know what time it is. It's Thriver Nuggets time. Let me tell you something. This, this episode's Thriving Nuggets is not going to be all long and fancy because I wanted to talk to you guys about the importance of having that school and family connection 
um, when it comes to our adolescents, because what studies have shown is that school and family connections in adolescents have linked to positive health outcomes in adults, right? So when our children, when our young people have that connection with their school, as well as with their family, the likelihood of having positive health outcomes in adulthood is is increased, okay? So let's just talk about it. And so 17%, and this this these numbers are based on youth experiences, um, youth experience risk, right? So 17% of our youth uh, have stated that they considered attempting suicide, 17%. 19% of our youth have been bullied at school. And 14%, 14% of our youth has misused prescription pain medicine. I'm gonna say that again. 17% of our youth has considered attempting suicide. That's that's rough, y'all. That's rough. That's rough. Our young people, our babies are thinking about taking their lives. Come on now, that's too much. 19% of our youth have been bullied at school. 19%. So for all my parents out there, make sure y'all having those conversations with your kids. You know, make sure you checking in with them, talking to them to assure that everything really is okay and not, and that they're not just saying that because they want you to shut up and leave them alone. And then 14% of our youth have misused prescription pain medicine. 14%. So those those Percocets, those painkillers, those those uh strong medicine, what did they got? Tylenol 3 with codeine, all of those. So our babies are out here misusing it. Our babies are out here misusing it. So that is the statistics based based on youth experience experience risk. Now, the next set of statistics is school and family connections that help protect youth. So adults who experienced strong connections as youth were 48 to 66% less likely to have mental health issues, experience violence, engage in risky sexual behavior, or use substances. I'm going to say that again. Adults who experienced strong connections as youth were 48% to 66% less likely to have mental health issues, experience violence, engage in risky sexual behavior, or use substances. I'm going to let y'all let y'all sit on that one. Let y'all think about that real quick. This is why that school and family connection is extremely important. This is why. Because we, we see it in the statistics, right? If our young people get what they need, right? If they have that strong community, if they have that strong sense of a village from both school and in our home lives, then they become these productive adults that are not struggling with mental health issues, that are not having experiences with violence, that are not 
engaging in hypersexuality and not having issues with using substances. Let's be real. These are the problems that you see, we see faced in black and brown communities so much, right? But that's because when we really be honest with ourselves about our young people in our black and brown communities, they're not getting those community connections. We're no longer in that place and space of it takes a village to raise a child. Listen, when I was growing up, man, listen, I couldn't get away with shit. (laughs) I could not get away with shit. Because first of all, all my neighbors knew me knew my siblings, and knew my my family, right? We had that village. We had that sense of community, right? So even if my grandmother was away, you know, away at work or my aunt was away at work, like my neighbors were given that permission to look out for me and my siblings, right? So if we were caught doing something, they had that level of authority to check us. We have gotten so, so, so far away from that ideology and that thought and that and that sense of community like we really need to get back to that for real for real all right the last set of statistics and by the way y'all this information comes from the cdc right talks about schools families and providers and how they can help so schools can implement positive youth development programs right parents can have frequent and open conversations, and providers can discuss relationships and school experiences. All three of those things combined help to foster positive health outcomes for our children in adulthood, right? And so one of the things I wish we got back to doing is I wish we got back to the days of like the YMCA, um, the PAL, the police, what is that? The Police Athletic League. You know, I wish we got get back to that um, because I know as a child growing up, you know, being a part of my local PAL, um, being a part of the community center and all those things out there in Queens, New York, like I stayed out of a lot of trouble. <laughs> I stayed out of a lot of trouble, especially because a lot of the, the law enforcement at that time, you know, what what was the thing or the policy was that whoever was policing in your neighborhood lived in your neighborhood, right? So I knew the law enforcement because they lived in my neighborhood. It wasn't somebody that lived all the way out in Staten Island, but was coming over here in the Queens, in Jamaica, Queens to uh, police, right? So it was that sense of community again, right? Because even the police would check you. Like, you know, I know your mama, you know, I know your grandmama. You really want me to go over there and tell them that you out here cutting up? Like we, we got to get back to that y'all. We got to get back to that. Cause I promise you that sense of community, knowing that there were people around that even if I wanted to cut up, wasn't going to let me cut up, save my life saved my life. So listen, whatever we got to do, y'all, we got to start building that community again. We got to start, you know, getting some of these establishments reopened, the YMCAs, the Boys and Girls Club, you know, the Police Athletic League, like we need them back, back in our communities because having that place, you know, and space for our young people to go to after school right? To not only get the tutoring help so that they're excelling in school academically, but think about it. Like Boys and Girls Club was the start of so many people's like careers, right? 
it was the start of so many people, you know, who was it that went to the Boys and Girls Club that's now Denzel Washington, right? He always talked about Boys and Girls Club being that place, that, that safe space, that place of community for him. And now look, look what he's become, right? We need those things in our community, especially more than ever today, because our young people, man, they are struggling. <laughs> they are struggling. They really are, y'all. They really are struggling. And we as a community, as a village, we got to do better. We got to do better. And let me just say this to my parents. Cut out that bullshit about, can't nobody tell me how to raise my kid. Listen, if you was that great, yeah, I'm about to say it. You want to feel some type of way. I don't really care, right? But if you was that great, right, your child wouldn't be going through what they're they going through anyway. So stop that BSing that y'all doing where people try to give you that support and people try to give you that village and then you want to tell them, don't tell me how to raise my kid, whoop de woo Like, everybody needs help sometimes. So I had to, I got to say that to my my parents because the, I truly believe the reason why we have lost that is because we have shifted as a society from having that village and people being open to people helping them and supporting them as they raise their children to now we live in a society where people think they know every goddamn thing and don't know shit. <laughs> right. And so now it's like, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to be and how to do. Right. But yet you're screwing up your kid. Here's what I want to leave with my parents. Who's going to tune into this. Understand that you are raising not only the next generation, but you are raising somebody's father somebody's husband or somebody's mother or somebody's wife understand that so how you raise your child is going to determine the kind of adult they become and whether or not they're going to make a good parent or a good spouse one day i'm just going to leave you out with that i'm going to leave that right there mic drop i'm going to leave that right there and so this concludes another episode of Hey Queen Thrive. Listen, tune in again next week for another Power Pack episode with another Power Pack guest. Listen, we are making our way through the final episodes of season two. And so I love each and every one of you. Thank you once again for always supporting Hey Queen Thrive. And you guys have been a blessing and I could not do this show without you. And so love each and every one of you. Please stay safe out there. And I will talk with you guys again soon. Peace and blessings.